you. Thank you. Thank you. Do take your seats. It's a real privilege to be back with you this morning. And uh, yeah, thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's great to be able to share with you on this Alpha course that you're doing. And I hope that you're finding things are coming back to your mind. Maybe those of you who've known things before, others of you, you're getting an opportunity to ask your questions, to think things through. I think it's so important. And today we're going to be thinking about how God guides us. And uh, you know, we'll all come to this with lots of different thoughts, won't we? Some of us were like, great, because I'm needing some guidance on this issue. I don't know what to do. I've got to make some decisions. Others of us, we might think, well, this will be interesting. Let's see whether I have actually been guided by God in the past or not. We look at it in different ways. Um, let me start by telling you a story. Um, you know, you've heard of the Samaritans, I imagine. The Samaritans, you know, someone calls them every 20 seconds to talk. And you might know more about the work of the Samaritans than me, but I found out about the man who founded it, and his name was Chad Varar. And I recently read the story of how he came to found the Samaritans. What happened was, he was a vicar in a very busy parish in this city in Clapham, and he had an idea of a telephone hotline. But he thought he wasn't the right person, he was too busy. So he said to the Lord, Lord, this is a great idea, this idea of having a telephone hotline. I really think it's good, but I'm just not the person to do it. It's not for me. Look, I think there must be a person who should do it. I just don't know who it is. And so he said, but Lord, it needs to be someone who's not very busy in the city. You know, you ever given God a bit of advice? You know, this is who it should be. Um, and so he said, actually, it needs to be someone probably who leads a church, but has very few people in his church or her church so they can actually do the job. Well, a few days later, he got an invitation to be a vicar of a city church exactly like that at St. Stephen's Walbrook in the city of London. And when he saw the people from the church, they asked him, so what will you do if you're appointed? He said, well, I think I'd set up a telephone hotline. And they said, oh, we think that's quite a good idea. So he was appointed, and on the way to visit the church, he was thinking, now, what would be a really great number for this hotline? What would be the right number? I want something that's kind of urgent, something that people will easily memorize. And he was thinking um, about, um, you know, 999, that's a good number. And then he was thinking, well, I'm in, I'm, uh, I've moved um, to Mansion House, so maybe it could be Man, M-A-N. And so he thought, well, maybe M-A-N, nine. Zero, 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 9,000. Maybe that should be the number. So when he got to the church, he found the telephone buried under a whole lot of other papers and things. He got it out and he dialed the operator. You can see how long ago this was. He dialed the operator and he tried to persuade them to give him the number MAN9000. And he said, would it be possible to change this number to that? Because he wanted, explained how he wanted to set up this work. And they said, uh, there is just no chance you'll be able to change your number to that because it's kind of quite popular. It could be quite a, a number that people would want for their business. And if they have that number, there's just no way they'll change it. Um, and so the operator said, well, okay, let me have a look. So he said, um, so what number are you calling from? And so he wiped away the dial. Again, you see how long ago this was. And, uh, and cleared it away. And the number, no joke, was MAN9000. And he said, uh, don't worry, he said to the operator, I've got it already. And then he said, 
addressing it to God. Okay, God, I've got the message. You've been waiting for me to get here when you had this telephone installed, but please stop now. This is getting really eerie, uh, really eerie that this had all come into place like that. And you know, I wonder whether you've had experiences like that. It doesn't happen like that for all of us, that like we find things like that, or like Matthew's story. Uh, you know, he saw that on the side and he knew that was for him six months, um, and that actually happened. Doesn't always happen those ways to us. Not all guidance is as clear cut as that, particularly the world we live in today. We are bombarded by choices, aren't we? Just everywhere you go. You know, if you think on all kinds of levels of the big choices of life, people used to marry the girl or the boy next door. The person on their street, that's who they met, that's who they married. But now you can go on the internet, thousands of options, loads of choice. Same with jobs. Often people would have stayed in the same job the whole of their lives. Um, now people think, you know, actually I'll probably have six, seven, eight, ten jobs in my lifetime. I might only stay in a job a few years. It's, there's so much change. And in that kind of world, we can sometimes think, is that easier or harder to work out how God is guiding us? Us. Is it easier or harder to make decisions and to make choices? You know, Jesus used a great figure of speech, an amazing one, to talk about how he guides us. And in John chapter 10, he, uses, he says verses like this, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. He also said, I lay down my life for my sheep. He uses a picture of a shepherd and sheep to describe what he is like as a guide. And then he says something incredible in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He opens up a possibility of guidance that is quite mind-blowing if we really want to get hold of it. Because you see, the bottom line is that God loves us. He loves us so much. He's interested in us. And Paul in the Bible says that uh, our lives can be good, pleasing, and perfect worship to God. And we can be in a place where we can genuinely say to God, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he wants to answer. If we want to ask him that question today, we can ask it. If it's for the first time, to actually say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do in this next season? He is the good shepherd. He wants to guide. He wants to speak. So the question comes, who does he guide? You know, some of you might think, well, he clearly guides the very spiritual people. You know, the people who do things at the front of church, they're definitely the ones he guides. But people like me, it's just a bit haphazard. I don't really know whether I'm getting anywhere or whether God is interested in guiding people like me. But you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, sets us a really good example. She said this, and this is Jesus' mother, I am the Lord's servant. I'm willing to do whatever he wants. And we can make that our prayer. We can start to discover, even this morning, that God wants to say to each one of us that he actually does have purposes and ideas for our lives. And if we'll listen to him, he will speak to us. You know, Rick Warren, some of you may have heard of him. He's a, an American a church leader. He's written lots of books. He wrote this. Bear with it. This is if you know your Bible, this will really help. If you don't know your Bible, these are all people in the Bible. Okay, so it helps with what we're thinking about this morning. Rick Warren writes, Abraham was old, Jacob insecure, Leah unattractive, Joseph had been abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Samson codependent, Rahab immoral, David had an affair and all kinds of family problems, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah depressed, 
Jonah reluctant, Naomi a widow, John the Baptist eccentric, to say the least, Peter impulsive and hot-tempered, Martha worried a lot, the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages, Zacchaeus was unpopular, Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, Timothy was timid, and a variety of misfits, and God used each of them in his service. And I think God wants to speak that into our hearts this morning, because some of us, we very quickly start to create a picture of God not being interested in people like me. You know, where I've got to in my life, it's all right for those who've sorted themselves out, but what about me? Well, there's a way of understanding the heart of God. I'm reading scripture which says, you know, God uses, I'm going to quote the scripture in a minute, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the strong and the mighty. God has not written you off, even if you've written yourself off. Sometimes we see God's plan for our lives like a tightrope, I often think. You know, we think, I'm walking along this way, I'm trying desperately to do everything right, to not make any mistakes. And then all of a sudden, I've fallen off. I lost my balance. And well, there's no way I'm getting back up there. I've lost my balance. There's no way. I've lost it. It's over. And I remember meeting someone like this when I was younger. And uh, she was the mum of somebody, a friend of mine, when I was about 18, 19. And she lived in the States. And she had a very sad story in her life. And this is how she used to describe her life. She said, well, I used to think that God would use me. I used to think I'd be a missionary serving God in some dramatic way overseas and that's what I wanted to do but then well I married um, I married someone who's not a Christian and well I've just missed it missed all of God's purposes that's it and she lived in a constant sense of sorrow depression hopelessness she's living on a tightrope she's living on this type and she made a mistake and that's it it's done my life well hopefully I can do some good with it but I'm surely never going to be able to follow God whereas I think we should see it in a different way you know God has given us freedom this world is not a tightrope it is a huge open field with all kinds of choices and decisions and God is a God who does not give up on us God is a God of plan a b and c if we come back to him humbly you know um, it's been said the two greatest days of your life are the days you were born and the day you found out why. The day you were born and the day you found out why. Do you know the day you were born was a great day? It was a great day because God brought you into this world. You were given life. And, you know, but also there's another great day where you discover what you are here for, what he's put inside of you. And I pray this morning God's going to open that up for some of us in a new way. Do you know this verse, Ephesians 2 verse 10? You are God's masterpiece. That's what the word says. You are God's masterpiece. He created you new in Christ so you can do good things he planned for you long ago. And the verse I mentioned, 1 Corinthians 1.27, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God used the weak things of this world to shame the strong. It is not too late to fulfill God's purposes in your life. Nelson Mandela said this, don't judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up. That is the God we serve, the God of humanity. He understands what it's like to be in the human condition. Uh, We make mistakes, but he is there to lift us up, to give us a new start, to show us what is possible. And so this morning, 
very quickly, I'm going to bring you through three levels that I just want to present to you of ways that God guides us. And some of, some of us, we might think one of these stands out more than another in our lives, that we're particularly tuned in to one particular way. Uh, some of us might think, well, actually, some of these, even if we're not a Christian this morning, some of these things you'll think, oh, yeah, that's, I think, how I've been guided. But also, there are people who would say, these different areas we're going to look at, we could see it differently. We could see each one of them that I'm going to share with you like a flag. And when we look at guidance, we want to be looking, are, is there more than one of these flags flying in the same direction? You know, it's not just one thing. Some people are very tuned into one style of guidance, but God is wanting to speak through all kinds of means because we live in a very complex world that is more like a strategic chess game than we realize. And God is wanting to help us understand the world he's put us in. So the first area I want us to think about is a spiritual level of guidance, the real foundations of guidance uh, from a Christian point of view. And the first place that we really don't want to avoid or just scoot over is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, and uh, the Holy Spirit is central to understanding and receiving guidance. Christians are meant to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts, and we begin to hear the voice of Jesus by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. You know, the other day I was at a hospital unexpectedly. It's one of those random occasions where I was at a hospital in Orpington having to drop off a bag to somebody there. And um, as I was trying to talk to the receptionist, I was aware there was someone here talking, but I just would ignore them and I was kind of carrying on here. And I kept glancing and they were really looking at me. And eventually, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, you start to think, oh no, actually, I think I do know this person. But for the life of me, my mind is racing. I cannot tell who this person is. And they're, they're, they're kind of continue looking at me and talk, and they're talking on the phone. Eventually, they come off the phone. They start pouring out why they're there. And all the time, I'm kind of relating them. I'm thinking they know me. They obviously know I'm a Christian. I could tell by the way they were talking to me. But I'm thinking, oh gosh, I can't work out who it is. Well, fortunately, about five or ten minutes later, when I sat in my car, I was like, oh yes, I've placed them exactly where they are. I know who they are. But imagine that scenario where I've been talking to the receptionist and a good friend of mine is on the phone over in the corner. It wouldn't have taken very long for me to go, oh, I recognize that voice. And I'd have turned around and I've known who it was just by the voice, not even by looking. And that is what we, is on offer to us in the Holy Spirit is that we start to recognize his voice. That requires us to get closer to him and to be more open to his work in our lives, if you like, we start to tune in to the work of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says this, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. What he hears, he will speak to you and disclose what is to come. You know, imagine this story. So suppose I go to the doctor and I say, oh, hello, morning, doctor. Um, I've got a few problems today. Um, you know, I've got some fungus growing underneath my toenails. I've got a problem with the cartilage in my knee, a bit of arthritis in my hip, and oh gosh, I, this long-term elbow injury here, there's nothing happening about that. And you know, this morning I woke up, I think I've got flu symptoms, it's not so good either. And uh, you know, really not sleeping very well at night. So, but so thank you, thanks doctor, thanks for listening, bye. And we clear off. <laughs> You know, there's something wrong with that situation, isn't it? That's not tuning in to what to the doctor. That is just offloading. 
There is something about that. What, that is what our prayer life can be like sometimes. We just come in and we pour it all out. We're not expecting to hear anything back. But the whole point of going to the doctor is to hear what their response is and to recognize they have a response. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to our hearts. Sometimes when we come to pray, if you've never done it before, get a little notebook out, get a pen there. Because why? Because God might want to speak something back. He might give an impression into your heart. And even if you think, there's no way God's going to speak to someone like me. I'm telling you that he is the good shepherd and he likes to speak to his children. So even if you don't believe it, I'm just suggesting do it because I told you to do it because God will start to speak to you and you'll find as you expect it, God will start to work in your life. So we need the Holy Spirit. It's foundational in guidance. We also need to know how to come to the Bible. The Bible is God's guidebook for our life. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, some people come to the Bible, you know, I'm not going to ask any confessions here, but you know, our view of the Bible guiding us is right. We go, okay, Lord, I need a word. And we open the Bible dramatically and we see what page it falls on. And we go a bit like this, Lord, I really need a word from you. And we have a look and then we go, okay, Right, I'm probably not tuned in with you, Lord. Let's try it again. And then we just, we fling the Bible open and we do a little, Lord, please guide me. And we put our finger on. And we use the Bible like that to guide us in that way. That is not what the Bible is given for. I'm just encouraging you, those who are in the habit of doing that, kind of give that habit up because you're not going to get very far. Uh, There are all kinds of peculiar verses in the Bible. Have you doing all kinds of things? Um, It's not God guiding you just because it's the Bible. The Bible is given to us because it enables us to grow in confidence to understand who God is. So we are able to recognize his voice. It is God's truth to us. The Bible challenges us. It challenges our choices, our lifestyles. It tells us the primary callings on our lives. So for example, the Bible tells you that um, about marriage, about singleness. It tells that singleness is a high calling, but that marriage is the norm. But it's not going to, you know, you do this method, show me who to marry, put your hand on, and there's someone's name there. You know, that is not God guiding you to the person you're going to marry. That, you know, and some of the names, you're going to be waiting a long time uh, to find that person. Um, That is not the Bible guiding us. The Bible is given to us that we might love God more, that we might understand him more. His whole purpose for our life that is so much greater, dare I say, than finding a marriage partner, so much greater than finding the right job because it's to do with God loving you, God dying for you, wanting to save you. There's something much more important than just getting the answer for the next five minutes. There is something much more profound, which is your eternal future. And as we read the Bible, God draws us into a love relationship with him and gives us direction for our lives. Second area, so that's the spiritual level. I realize we could do an hour on each of these, okay? So I'm just scooting over the top, bear with me. The second level I'd like us to think of guidance is the human level. (gasps) What God guides through the human? Yes, our God, by his Holy Spirit, can guide us through the human things of life. And many of us have experienced it. So think about in the Bible, Paul in Acts 15, 36, said to Barnabas one day, you know, let us, let's go back to the churches that we set up in every city and let's talk about Jesus there and see how they're doing. Paul had a sense of duty. He had a commitment. 
He had a commitment. All guidance is not just some kind of doing any old thing as the Spirit leads me. We have responsibilities. And as we honor those, we have a duty. God leads us. God guides us. You know, John Wesley said that the most common way God guided him was by presenting to his mind reasons for acting in a particular way. That's what, that is a man who turned this nation upside down for Jesus when there was so much corruption. And people was there, if you don't know about John Wesley, I encourage you to read about what he did in this nation. What did he discover? That God wanted to inform his mind so that he could actually use his reason to make choices. 2 Timothy 2 verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into this, Paul said. What? God wants to use our mind, our thinking, our engaging with issues and circumstances. God wants to enlarge our thoughts and our minds and to get them in tune with him. God wants us to use the mind uh, that he's given to us. You know, common sense. Here's another great in the Christian world, not alive anymore. John Stott said this, although our conscience reflects our upbringing and culture and is therefore fallible, Nevertheless, it remains a guard within us, warning us that there's a difference between right and wrong. What he's saying is that our conscience, it can be a very sharp knife that can get blunted if we don't use it properly. So if we use, we've kind of dulled our conscience to just do whatever seems appropriate or we want to do, we might have to ask the Lord to help our conscience be sharpened again because it is something God has given us to be able to recognise right and wrong and God wants to empower our common sense. You know, when I um, did my A-levels confession, I didn't get the grades I wanted and uh, I had a plan. I don't know if any of you have a plan. I had a plan. I wanted to go into politics. I'd done some um, time in the House of Parliament, working with an MP. Uh, this was what I wanted to do. I was a very politically active person. And I did not get the grades for any of the universities I wanted to go to. And I was utterly devastated, like totally devastated. Like I'm a bit dramatic anyway, but you know, in bed, couldn't get out of bed as an 18 year old. I was totally uh, very dramatic and time. And my parents said to me, you know, they said, look, Abby, you need to do something. And I said, well, the only thing I'm going to do then is go to the other side of the world and do some mission training course. That's the only other thing I'll do. I won't do anything else. I was really, you know, it was all over as far as I was concerned. And my parents kept kind of, they were Christians, and they kept kind of encouraging me. And one day, my mom said to me the thing I really didn't want to hear. You know, I was kind of waiting for it. She said, actually, Abby, I think you'd make a good teacher. I think you should think about being a primary school teacher. Well, you know, up to 80, I had decided there was one job I was never going to do, and that was a primary school teacher. Absolutely not. And so you can imagine, those of you who are very respectful to your parents probably can't imagine, but I was, had a few words to say about that. But she kept on and saying, no, Abby, actually, I think I've thought about, you know, I know who you are. I think you would actually do it. Cut a long story short, I went to have a look at a training, teach training college. And I walked around and I kind of went, well, I think I could have a go at this. All right, okay, I'll have a go. I didn't have any word from the Lord. I just had advice and I, I, and I knew people were praying for me. But, and so I made the decision to go. And do you know what? For me, that course and what I learned through primary teaching was my training ground for what God needed to do in my life. I would never have picked it never in a million years but actually it wasn't very long before I realized God was changing me as a person through that time so we need to remember that God does want to use common sense as well as circumstances around us things we hadn't planned for 
Last area, God wants to use the confirmatory level. He wants to confirm things to us. Let's rattle through these. Firstly, God wants to use our church leaders. He wants to use them to speak into our lives. God gives them wisdom and and they can bring advice to us. You can look at that in Proverbs 12 and Proverbs 20. God wants to use praying friends. If you don't have any praying friends, you need to find some. Friends aren't enough. Friends, some friends just say what you want to hear. That's nice sometimes, you know, oh, poor you, and you kind of want to hear that, yeah, life's terrible, life, that's really awful. But as Christians, we need praying friends because they'll be able to speak and see things we don't see. We also can be given dreams and visions. Dreams and visions from God can confirm things that he's saying to us. That is a whole subject in itself. And I got lots of thoughts on that, which we can't go into now. But just to say God does give visions and he does give dreams, but they need interpretation. Okay, they are not to just be taken at face value. You need to know who are the prophetic people in the church, who are those in leadership who, can, who have a gift of interpretation because so much is symbolic, but God does give dreams and visions. Prophecy, God wants to speak specific prophetic words into our lives. Um, that's happened a lot recently. Um, for me, I found myself praying for people and I've used little pictures as I've been praying. Oh, I just have this picture. And then afterwards they say, how did you know that? Yesterday I was doing X, Y, and Z. Or yesterday I saw that picture you just described. God wants to confirm his word through prophetic words. But he does say in 1 John 4, 1, test the spirit to see whether they are from God or not. It all needs interpreting, otherwise we can go off track. And it was lovely, again, Matthew in his testimony talked about the peace of Christ. That is another confirmation in our hearts, the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and minds. Not just just, oh, I feel good. Learning to discern what is the peace of God and what isn't. Colossians 3:15. Let me just end with this story. Lord Radstock, we all know very well, I know we don't, was staying in a hotel in Norway in the mid-19th century, and he heard a little girl playing downstairs in the hallway, and she was making the most terrible noise. She was, you know, plink, plonk, plink, plonk. Anyone got children learning an instrument? You know, it was driving him mad. And then he noticed a man come and sit beside her, and this man didn't stop what she was doing, but he started to play in between what she was playing, and he heard this beautiful music. Later on, he discovered the man playing alongside her was the girl's father, Alexander Borodin, the composer of the opera Prince Igor. You know, in these kind of amazing ways, as we go through life, you know, you have a father in heaven by his Holy Spirit who wants to come and sit next to you on that piano seat. You might think the noise that's coming out of my life is not really glorifying to God and it's not what I wanted out of life. But God wants to make something beautiful out of your life. He comes and plays alongside us. He shows us what we're made for and he makes something beautiful out of our lives. I'm just going to say a quick prayer for us if that's okay and then we're going to go into our groups. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, Lord, I know you're speaking many different things to different ones of us. Lord, you want to instill a new confidence about our lives, and I pray we would receive it in Jesus' name. Pray for those of us who have a lot of question marks about guidance. We're not sure whether it's for us or not. We're not sure you're interested or not. Lord, I pray you would open our ears to hear your voice. You are the shepherd who speaks to the sheep, and the sheep know your voice. And I pray that we would start to tune in like those 
radios tune in, the old-fashioned ones, we start to tune in to your Holy Spirit in a new way. And that, Lord, we would discover you coming alongside each one of us. And in this next season, I want to prophesy great decision-making from every one of us. Great decision-making in Jesus' name. Uh, our eyes open to your guidance and your leading in our lives. Lord, give us many flags flying in the same direction, confirming we are in your purposes and in your plans for our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic.